apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Any Mac Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Any Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Joel Tucker, first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability, Saquon Barkley. He's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I'm Steve Risser, along with Justin Anafrio. And the Yankees have done it. They have beaten the Guardians in five games. They are on to the ALCS. And you can just guess who the opponent is. It is the Houston Astros for the third time in six years. The Yankees and Astros will be playing in the ALCS. It should be a really good series between these two teams. But before we get to that, we got to talk about the series against Cleveland. And uh, yesterday, John Carlos Stanton coming up big, hitting that three-run homer. Then Aaron Judge in the third. And then Nestor Cortez gives you five solid innings. Bullpen closed it out. Yankees move on. I mean, it was a it was a it was a grinder against the Guardians. They, they definitely sweated it out. It looked like you know beginning it was going to be an easy series. They win game one. They you know Stanton hits the home run in game two, but they end up losing game two. They lose game three in heartbreaking fashion. But but Garrett Cole was great in game was great in game four. Hey, Bader had that big hit in game four too. And then 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 yesterday, as we said, John Carla coming up big, and now the Yankees are on to the ALCS. Yeah, it did not look good going down two one there, but the way the bullpen kind of. And the questions of why not putting Holmes there to close it out in the bottom ninth. But yeah, Cole, Cole's been excellent those first two starts. You know, he really stepped up, you know, 170, 110 pitches. Yeah, Sand and Judge, you know, the big hits yesterday, Sand had the big one in game two. You know, but this was actually, I saw the lowest batting average Yankees have ever hit in a postseason series. It was 182 for like a series that they won. Um, you know, batting 182. They, Guardians have a really good, um, Pitching staff, but that's not going to get done here at Houston. But yeah, you know they found a way to get it done. 
Um, you like some more base hits because it's been a lot of the homers that have, you know, had produced a run. So you like to get a couple more guys on. But yeah, they found a way to win. The bullpen found a way to close it out the last couple of nights. And yeah, you're moving on to Houston for the third time. And can they finally get over the, the uh, demons? Absolutely. And you talked about the batting average being at 182. Uh, yeah, it is a little bit of a concern, but really a lot of teams have struggled to score runs in the postseason. You saw that Rays Guardians uh, game in the first round. That game went 15 innings without a team scoring a run. The Mariners Astros game, that game went uh, 18, 18 innings without a team scoring a run. So I, I, I just don't, I don't, I'm not as concerned about that. What I'm happy about, and a big positive is, is the starting pitching in this series. Garrett Cole was really good in both games. Nestor Cortez was good in both games. Severino was good in both games. The starting pitching was good. And if the starting pitching is good, the Yankees are going to have a chance to win any series going forward, no matter how poorly they hit. Yeah, absolutely. They will. You know, their pitching staff, you hope, could keep them some games. Yeah, you know, Sevy, yeah, looked good. I felt, yeah, early on, you know, gave a couple runs, but yeah, I thought he settled in, you know, that, that third inning and he looked much better. Again, you need a big start from Thursday night. So, yeah, you know, Nestor, too, just – Coming out, you know, Nestor's just been a good, reliable guy this year. Um, has really turned a lot of heads, and he's been great to watch. Yeah, get, you know, pitch really well. And, yeah, Cole making $36 million. Um, You know, because I, I liked how he's been using a lot of his knuckle curve so far in his first couple starts. You know, I think that's really helped him. So, yeah, you know, Cole's making the big money. And, again, there is a lot of pressure on him this postseason, and he's, and he's capitalized on both of them. And, you know, um, he has really um, – you know, quieted a lot of doubters doubters right so far. Oh yeah, I mean Cole was great in the series. I mean, you look at Game One, went six and six and uh, third, uh, six and a third, uh, held the Guardians to one run, and then in Game Two, Game Four, a game they needed to win, he went seven innings, allowed two runs, but he threw 110 pitches and put the Yankees in a great position to win that game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he, he did, and you know, bullpen was able to shut it down. He did. You know, again, if the staff could give up just you know one two runs a night, you know maybe even three, you feel like the offense should be able to generate enough offense. It's going to be tough, obviously, being in October baseball. But, yeah, you know, if they're, they're pitching set, keep them in games. They got a chance. And, you know, again, with Tyone going tonight, I felt like, you know, at, in that 10th um, inning there on, on Friday that he gave up a couple bloopers. But I'm like, that's a tough spot to put in a starter. He, he's never came in a relief effort before. Um, but you know, hopefully, you can give us a couple strong innings tonight, and you know, keep the team in it. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I think he's. I think tonight he's going to keep him in it. I think the problem is going to be. I think Verlander is going to bounce back. He's going to be really good. I think this is going to be a really, really tough game to win tonight in the series. But if they can get a split in the ALCS, I think in the first two games of this ALCS, I think they're in really good shape to win this ALCS. Yeah, I think they can be. You know, I know it. It would be good. To, you know. Get out of there with the split. You feel good about yourself. Again, Houston's not going to be scared to go to Yankee Stadium. We've seen them win at Yankee Stadium, there, you know, in the in the ALCS before. We saw it in the wild card game, you know, a couple years ago as well. So, yeah, we know, you know, Houston's not going to be scared to, and frightened to go into Yankee Stadium. But, yeah, you feel a lot better about yourself, and you kind of feel like there's a little bit less pressure on you because, you know, game three is not a crucial must win, you know, to try to stay away from being down 0-3-0. Um, but yeah, you can get a split here. Again, Sevy's look pretty good, and, and Valdez has been good all year. Um, but yeah, you 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 feel good if the team get the split. Absolutely. Oh, without question, if they get a split, I am very confident because you got Garrett Cole in Game Three, and you got Nestor Cortez in Game Four. Yeah, absolutely. So with those, the way those two are pitching, 
you know, you know they're going to just give up a run or two. So, yeah, you feel like your offense should then hopefully do enough to be able to keep you in those games. I know Astros have McCullers going game three as well, and he's been good. I know he's been good against the Yankees. So, yeah, you know, one or two runs are going to win that game. And, you know, the way Cole's been pitching, you feel good that um that uh, you, that you do have a shot to win that game. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Now that the Yankees finally have the rematch against the Astros, we're, we're going to talk about what the biggest keys are for the Yankees to win this series. And for me, it comes down to – Three things. Judge has got to be better. I know he hit that home run last night, but he's got to hit better than 200. Glaber Torres has got to be better. He's got to hit better than because he hit, he was under he hit under uh, 200. So he's got to be better, especially in the leadoff spot to set things up for Judge, Stanton, and Rizzo. And number three, the biggest thing is this bullpen has got to get the job done. They didn't get the job done in Game Three, and they can't get away with blowing a game in this series against a team like the Astros. The Astros are the best team in baseball for a reason. You cannot blow a game against the Astros and expect to beat them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we saw the Mariners blew, you know, two games there bound Houston and you know, Seattle really could have been up two also there and they don't give up. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for me that the lineup, you know, hitting a run is a scoring position. You gotta knock those guys in because Houston's been so good at that all year. And I feel like, you know, that's where the Dodgers went wrong. They couldn't get guys guy they couldn't knock guys in with scoring position. I feel like the lineup's gonna be gonna have to do that against the Astros to have a chance this week um, to knock them off. And then, yeah, for me, it's, it's the bullpen. You know, who's going to get the big outs? Peralta look good, but can you keep relying on him to be your big big guy? Again, with the lefty-lefty, he may have to take on Alvarez. You know, you, you cannot leave a mistake to that guy. But yeah, the bullpen's got to find a way to get outs. And as you mentioned, yeah, they cannot blow the leads because they, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. And then my last one, too, you know um, – also for the lineup, yeah, Judge and Sand, you know, Sand only had two hits in the series. They were both home runs. Judge, we know, kind of struggled as well. I think Judge just had three hits, but yeah, you know, two of them were home runs, I believe. Um, so yeah, you, you need those two guys because Sand's been really good in the postseason. You need Judge and Sand, um, because when those two are on, it makes like that rest of the middle of the lineup really good, really consistent. Because you got guys like Rizzo, Torres, um, you know, in the middle that could kind of help you out and. You know, they they got to they got to those two guys got to be the leaders of that lineup and put some pressure on Houston. You talk about Stanton struggling, but he got the biggest hit of the series. So I know we hit under 200, but he got the biggest hit of the series. So I'm not going to get on Stanton for not hitting because that hit he had last night cancels out anything he didn't do in the first four games. That hit was 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 huge, huge. That got everything started. So that cancels out everything that he didn't do. But, but yeah, the lineup has to be a little must be better with hitting the runners in scoring position, and it's got to hit better, and they got to be better for average. They got to hit better for average, and especially Glaber Torres. He's he's he may, not, he may not even have to get hits, Glaber Torres. He's just got to get on base. Yeah, absolutely. Just yeah, because I feel like you know when there's nobody on, you kind of you could be a little bit more careful to judge, you know, with nobody on base, and um, you know I know Glaber isn't a real steal threat, but you, but a pitcher still got to go out of the stretch. Sometimes out of the stretch, you make that mistake and. You know, Judge, I know throughout the postseason really hasn't been connecting on those, but I feel like he's been getting closer and closer, and you've kind of seen it the last couple of days. So I feel like he gets a mistake. Um, you know, he, he hopefully squares it up and, you know, it goes a long way. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, Torres can get on. Um, it puts pressure on the defense. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, Torres can get on, kind of set up the rest of the lineup would be huge. Oh, abs- oh absolutely, absolutely. And before we get to the other series, we got to give a couple, a couple of things, a couple of things we're going to do. But first, we got to give credit to Brian Cashman. 
that was a great trade. You got to give him credit. It was a great trade going out and getting Harrison Bader and trading Jordan Montgomery to get Harrison Bader because Harrison Bader was phenomenal in this series. Game one, down one nothing in the third. He gets everything started with a home run. He also had a huge home running game. He also had a had a, had a big single in a, in game uh, in game three, and I think he had a, he had a home run too. And he, yeah. he had a home run in game three too. I made it five three, right? That game insurance yep. and, and get, you know, the, the home running game three, and and which is a game they should have won. And then on the biggest hit though was on uh, on on third on Sunday in game four when he hit that two run homer uh, against Quantrill to give them a three nothing lead. That got things going in game four. So so. Got to give credit to Brian Cashman for making that trade, and I think Brian Cashman is definitely getting an extension this off season for for making that trade and putting this team together, getting this team to the ALCS. Yeah, absolutely. You know they they found a way. Yeah, Bader. I know we know he was out to September there, but yeah, you know again, Teak said it. Like Montgomery's not going to be a guy that's going to get a start in October, so you know might as well get get the bat, get the defense that Bader could play. You know, for a guy like Montgomery, that's more than likely going to be in the bullpen. So, yeah, it was an excellent trade. You know, I guess that's why you always have to give some of these trades, you know, some time there before you're evaluating them. But, yeah, he's been really good, and, and Bader's really stepped up, played well, you know, especially because he's really only been around the team for a couple weeks now, and he's made a really good impression. And, you know, he's a guy to be on the roster next year, and he's going to be fun to watch that for, you know, all of next season. So, yeah, Cashman credit. And then even for, you know, again, he's he's done a really good job with a lot of these smaller moves that kind of go on the table. Like Again, they got Wandy Peralta for Mike Talkman, and I don't even think Talkman's on a roster anymore. So, he you know, he always does good at finding these small little trades that kind of go under the radar, and they usually come out the winner in those. Absolutely, absolutely. And and then, uh, and then, then one more thing. At this point, because the Yankees have – they beat the Guardians, got to the ALCS – is this a successful season for the Yankees, no matter what happens against Houston? I got to say yes. I got to say yes. So it will be disappointing to lose to Houston for the third time in six years. But to be honest, I picked the Yankees to be a third, fourth place team going into the season. I have to say, even if they lose to the Astros, this is a successful season and everyone returns, manager and general manager returns. Now the general manager better pay Aaron Judge if he returns. But I think everybody, if they beat the Astros, if they lose, if they, even if they lose to the Astros, I still think everybody returns. Yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, I hope there's some changes. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I had them finishing fourth in the division this year. I wasn't really high on the team. I, I hate to say it because it's like I want to beat Houston, and I'm gonna be disappointed either way if they lose to Houston. Um, but yeah, I didn't think they get the LCS this year again. Down two one. I, you know, was hoping Cole would give us a good alley Sunday, but again, I wasn't even sure we could get out of that series anymore. So, you know, especially the way they lost. So. Yeah, you know, this team's been resilient all year. They found a way, and, yeah, you know, I think it's been – if they lose to Houston, I, I do think – and I hate to say it, and I know Steinbrenner and Cashman are always, you know, championship or bust, but – That was – really I don't think – I don't think uh, Hal's – I don't think Hal's that way. His dad was that way. His dad was definitely that way. I don't think Hal's that way. I think he is because he's always – because I've heard some interviews with him saying, you know, I tell my investor, you know, the other kind of small minority owners as well, like, you know – you know, I, I tell them we're going to be a championship team every year. You know, like, you know, they're disappointed we don't win championships because I've told them we will. You know, we're good enough. So I, I think he does. I think, you know, it's not as bad as dad, but I think he expects that this team should win a championship. And I think because it's been so long, too, I think, you know, there's some pressure that he wants to win one. Um, but I, again, you know, I know they 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 put all that pressure that they want to win one. They didn't think they had it this year, but um, they, they found a way to get oh. to at least the ALCS. 
Exactly. And, 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 and yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, I think, and that's, and I think for the fans, you brought it up, it's been so long. I think for the fans, it'll be a little bit disappointing if they don't win this series because of it, because it's been so long. Like in 17, there wasn't that much disappointment because they weren't, they, there, there was no expectation of them getting this far. Yes. This year, the expectations weren't, weren't ridiculously high, but still we've lost to the Astros so many times that it will be definitely disappointing. It'll be like, the Red Sox, like the Red Sox in 03, losing to the Yankees. They kept, just kept losing, losing, and losing to the Yankees. If they, I mean, they still had a good season, but they, they, just another loss to the Yankees. If the Yankees lose this series, I think the fans will still feel that disappointment. Like they'll feel that disappointment. Here we go. Here we go again. Another loss to the Astros. Yeah, absolutely. It, it has been tough, you know. And I know, yeah, Red Sox and you know, ever since 03, you know, the Red Sox have pretty much flipped the tables on that um, on that in that postseason series. So. Yeah, you know, for the Yankees, it just takes one to get it done, you know. But um, yeah, it, it's it's been difficult. It's been a long time, and now you kind of see the Phillies, and the last time, you know, the Phillies, you know, for the first time in a decade, you know, they they haven't been the World Series either, or they haven't been in the playoffs in a decade. You know, they look good. It's been yeah, it's been a while, and it, it's rare. It's been the longest time in Yankees history that they haven't reached a po- uh, the World Series. So yeah, it's it's really frustrating the fan base, um, you know, because it's. It's a different world now. You know, it, it's so much tougher to get to the World Series. But, yeah, it, there's a lot of disappointment. And, again, I think it's George kind of, in a lot of people's minds, kind of the way he was as an owner, He, you know, the fan base kind of expects that, like him, like we, you know, we're supposed to win it every year. You know, we, we should be the best team. We should win it every year. And I think there's a lot of disappointment because it, it's been so long. And it, it's been very frustrating because, yeah, they've gotten this point. Like, they haven't even gotten the World Series since 09. I think that's – that's the most disappointing thing. It's not like they've gotten there and gotten the game seven. They they haven't even gotten there yet or since then. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, series prediction. I hate to say this, but I'm going to go with the Astros in six. I think this, you know, playing three days in a row is going to end up hurting them. I think they lose the first two in Houston, win the two in New York, win the first two in New York, lose the last one in New York, and then lose the game six in Houston. So. I hate to say this, but I'm taking the Astros in six in this series. And and then if the if that does happen, the Yankees got to look for a leadoff hitter and got to look for a closer in the offseason and sign Aaron Judge. Yeah, for me, I got the Astros in five. I just wow. the way the, the way they're playing or the way the Astros right now, like they just don't quit. And I just I think with that rotation, I think there's again, I again I would hope like again going the last series like the Padres for the Dodgers, like the Padres haven't beaten the Dodgers at all. And I thought, you know, that was something, but they got over. I just think too, like the the Yankees, the Astros are in their heads. I don't know if they have confidence to beat them. I think they pull out either game three or game four at home. I don't know if they go to Houston to win. I just think that the the Houston rotation, I just think stifles them. I just think they lose a couple of low scoring games and they just can't find a way to get it done. Should be interesting between these two teams. It all starts tonight at 7.30 on TBS. But we got to move on to the other series between the Phillies and Padres. Phillies went one up 1-0 on the Padres last night as as uh, Zach Wheeler had an, pitched, a, I, don't, I think, seven innings, one hit, had an outstanding performance. Uh, then Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber both hit home runs for the Phillies. They go up 1-0 in the series and start with the Phillies. What do the Phillies have to do to go up 2-0? In my opinion, Aaron Nola's got to have a big start. Nola's got Nola's got to be really good, and Harper's got to continue to stay hot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Nola, big key in this one. Um, yeah, you know he's looked pretty good so far throughout the postseason. You know, I think it's a big one today, especially you know even though that bullpen's pitched pretty well so far in the postseason. You know, besides that one game against the Braves there. Uh, yeah, they need another big star for him, you know, and then, yeah, 
think the other one for me too is getting out to an early lead again because I think you know you kind of take that crowd out of it. You can go up 2-0 going home. So I feel like you know if you can get out to that that early lead today yet again, put a lot of pressure there on the Padres. Um, you're, you're feeling pretty good about yourself because the Padres bullpen either. That's that's not great either. So yeah, but that's a big of, reason why they got to the position they're in. Their bullpen was outstanding against the Dodgers. No, it was, but it's still not. You know, like it's it's still beatable. Like they, you know, I know Hater been better, but it's still a beatable bullpen where, you know, it, you know, we can get some runs off of them. So yeah, I know they they looked really good against the Dodgers. Um, especially after they got down three nothing there in Game Four, they able to come back. They gave them big, a lot of big outs, but uh, I feel like the Phillies got to jump out early today. Yeah, yeah. If, if the Phillies jump out early, especially on Blake Snell, they got a really, really good chance to win the game. I think if they jump out early, because I think Noel's going to pitch well. He was great in game in, uh, in in the in the wild card in the first round against the Cardinals. He was great in game in game three against the uh, against the Braves. I think he's going to pitch really well again. I think he I think he's going to. So the big thing for the Phillies is if they jump out early, I think they have a really good chance of going up two zero. And then going up, and I think this is a must win for the Padres because the Padres don't want to be going down two zero going to Philadelphia because I think that's the best home field advantage in baseball right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. The way that fan base was last weekend um, at home, it's going to be very tough to go back to, to get it back to San Diego. If you get for the for the Padres, yeah, if you go down two zero today, it's going to be very tough to get it back to a game six. So yeah, absolutely, it's a must win today um, for San Diego. It's going to be a tough task, but uh, Blake Snell, it looked pretty good. Yeah, they're going to need a strong start from today. Absolutely, absolutely. And now for the Padres to tie the series, they're needing to have a good, just like you said, you're going to need to have a good start from Blake Stell, and they need Juan Soto to start hitting. They need Juan Soto to start hitting, and they got to get to Nola early and get to the Phillies bullpen as quickly as possible. If they could do those things, I think they tie up the series. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they they, they do. I know Machado, um, you know, played pretty well there against the Dodgers. He had a really good series in Trent Grissom. Um, but, yeah, they need Soto to get going. They gave him – you know, they gave up a lot for him. They got to get him going here. Um, another one, too, Austin Nola, um, you know, going to go up against his brother Aaron. Again, he could probably give a pretty good scouting report on, on what his brother likes to do out there on the mound. So, maybe that's a little bit of an advantage there for the um, for the Padres that, you know, Nola, Austin's brother can kind of give him a little bit of a scouting report there. Um, but, yeah, like Machado's got to, you know, Machado, I know, has been good, but they he's got to get going today. Soto does. You know, Grisham, uh, I mean, Cronin's word got it. You know, like those three in the middle of the order, they got to get going. They got to produce some runs today um, to try to tie this thing back up 1-1. Absolutely, absolutely. My opinion, this is a must-win game for the Padres. The Padres don't win this game. They will not win this series. I'm completely with, with you, as I said a few minutes ago. I, I, They lose today. I don't think they go back to San Diego. I think this is their last home game of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah, they lose. Yeah, they lose today. They're not going back to San Diego. You can, you could count on that. But we got a rematch of Super Bowl Fifty Four, or this week, and a big game between the between the Chiefs and the Niners. But before we talk about that, oh shoot, sorry about that. But before we talk about that, we're gonna hear from our friends at JPEG Financial. Sorry about that. Yeah. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. 
We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. All righty, week seven of the NFL is upon, is is here, and we got a big matchup in uh, a rematch of Super Bowl of fifty four between the Chiefs and the Niners. And I think this is going to be a really, really close, competitive game between these two teams. I think, but I do think the Niners' injuries on defense are what are going to hurt them in this game. I think that uh, Bosa being out is going to hurt them. I think that Ward potentially being out, Tre'Davious Ward is going to hurt them. I think this is a close, competitive game, but I think Patrick Mahomes is going to get his team down the field. He's going to throw a couple touchdown passes and. I think that uh, I think that the the the, the Chiefs are going to force a turnover from uh, from uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. I think this is going to be a really really close competitive game. But at the end of the day, I think that the Chiefs are going to continue to have success against the Niners and win this game. I got the Chiefs beating the Niners twenty eight to twenty four. But Justin, can uh, the Niners get revenge from what happened in Super Bowl fifty four? To me, very tough just because the Niners right now are just so banged up. I got the Chiefs win this game 27 to 21. Um, you know, Jimmy G's got to protect the football. They threw two interceptions last week. Um, I know, again, they're playing so many backups right now. It just, that's been the problem with the Niners the last couple of years. They just haven't had anybody stay healthy. Uh, they really didn't run the football much at all last week. Again, you know, if you're going to, you know, to keep Patrick Mahomes at offense off the field, you got to be able to run the football. Um, you know, right now, they got to be able to establish that, but you know they only ran it. Were able to run it 16 times last week, and again they lost turnover battle 3-0. And I feel like you know, you give up turnovers to Patrick Mahomes and that and then offense. They're not gonna, you know, they're they're gonna take advantage of that. And I feel like right now with everything the Niners just do not have, they're gonna give a couple of turnovers. I need to be very tough again. If they can get up early with that crowd, it's gonna be huge for them. They're gonna have to try to just shorten this game as much as possible. And for how banged up they are, I just don't know if they're going to be able to do that. Yeah, I think the Niners are banged up. And uh, at the Chiefs, I mean, yeah, it was a tough loss last week. But still, they proved they're one of the top teams in this league. Patrick Mahomes, yes, he threw a couple picks. But he still proved he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Just my issue with the Chiefs is, is the lack of a running game. And I don't think their defense is great. But still, I think that's good, that's good enough to beat the Niners, which, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo did not play that well last week. Their defense is banged up. That's why I think the Chiefs prevail here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jimmy G wasn't great. Yeah, Mahomes is one of the best in the league. He's been there for a while. Yeah, and that's kind of been the Chiefs' issue the last couple of years. They haven't been able to run the ball. The defense has kind of been an issue. Defense, you know, as long as their defense is good, good enough to make enough stops, you know, they'll be fine, and I think it is. But, yeah, the way Jimmy G and that offense played last week, the defense wasn't great. You know, my, Mariota threw the ball 14 times. He was 13 for 14. He's very efficient. Um, I just think the Niners, yeah, with everything they just have her out right now, I just think it's just too tall of a task, and I think the Chiefs' offense is going to be able to do a lot of what, whatever they want out there against uh, San Francisco. 
Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But we got a interesting matchup in Jacksonville as the Giants head to Jacksonville to face the Jaguars. And I think this is going to be a close competitive game. I think that Daniel Jones will have another good game. I think he'll continue to play well. I think I think uh, he'll get the ball to, to Darius Slayton, and he'll get the ball to Richie James. I think Saquon Barkley will have a good game. And I do think the Giants' defense is going to get some pressure on Lawrence, maybe force a turnover, uh, force a couple turnovers. But I do think the running game of the Jaguars is going to have a good game. The Giants have struggled against the run all season long. And I think the run game of the Jacksonville Jaguars is really, really going to be good, going to be good. I think they're going to they're, they're going to have success running the football. I think they are with with Travis Etienne and James Robinson. I think it's going to come down to the end of the game. But the Giants are going to do what they do, close out the game, and the Jaguars are going to do what they do and not and, and have trouble closing out the game. And I think that's why the Giants go to six and one, and they beat the Jaguars 27-23. But Justin, can Doug Peterson continue to have success against the Giants? I think they possibly could in this game, um, but I do have the Giants winning another one, 23 to 20. So why do you think Jacksonville is a favorite here? Uh, I, 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 number one, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that Jacksonville's a favorite. Come on. I, the, the Giants are five and one and the Jaguars are two and four. So I think it's ridiculous to start to, to, to start out. I think it's ridiculous. But I think one of the big reasons is the home team always gets three points and they look at the games the Jaguars lost. They look at the games the Giants lost. The Giants have won five one possession games. The Jaguars have lost four one possession games. I think that's the reason why and the Jaguars at home. That's why I think they're favorites, but if I'm not if I'm working in Vegas, there's no way a 2 and 4 team is a favorite against a 5 and 1 team. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, usually these games it's like very fishy and and Vegas knows something that we don't, which always worries me that I'm taking the Giants today there for Sunday. Um but yeah, I wonder if the Jags, you know, I don't cuz like the Jaguars aren't a great team either. So it's not like it's not like Vegas isn't adjusting to the Giants yet and what they've done. So I'm not, you know, so like, I'm not sure. It's usually one of those things that Jack's, you know, it, it just seems really fishy to me. And it kind of just seems you want to take the Giants, you know, go with the Giants, you know, written all over it. And I am, but um, yeah, that's definitely an odd one. Like even the Jets were a dog against Denver this week. And again, the way Denver's looked is, you know, that, that, that that's another one. Um, That's an odd one. But yeah, like you go back, it'd be, you know, a pick them in, in New York and, you know, um, or no, the Giants would be a three point yeah, or a field goal. Um, or the, it would be a field goal. The Giants would be fair by field goal, which I, you know, probably be a point or two left. But yeah, um, you know, anyways, going back to the Giants here, I think, yeah, the Giants do enough. I think with Daniel Jones, I think they run the ball well enough with Barkley. Thibodeau made a big impact last week, and I kind of felt like he could, um, you know, that he was getting very, very close there. And, you know, he, he made a couple of big plays last week. And, yeah, I think the Jaguars are going to have success running the football here against the Giants defense. You mentioned they, they that's like the one part of their area where they've really showed defensively. Um, but I think that defense forced a couple of turnovers from, from Lawrence and staff. I think, you know, both. I think both teams are going to get pressure on the quarterback, and it's what what quarterback's going to protect the football a little bit better. But the way the Giants have been playing right now, and this is the confidence that that organization has right now, I do think the Giants find a way to win. And I think as you mentioned too, I think the Giants find a way to win the game late. And Jaguars, you know, they they find a couple ways to lose games late. And I feel like you know that's going to be the difference this game. And Giants find a way to go to six and one, which is uh, don't think anybody had that ticket this year. 
Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. And you talk about the confidence that the Giants have, especially with uh, Brian. But I think the big reason the Giants have the confidence they have is Brian Dable. Brian Dable has done a phenomenal job. Right now, he's coach of the year. And it's just this team. It's just so different. The confidence they're they're playing with, it's just so different now. Brian Dable has made such a difference. And and, and, and Daniel Jones and Jacob Barkley have played really well, too. But Brian Dable, I feel like, has been the ultimate difference maker for this Giants team. Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Coaching makes such a big difference. You know, like look at League Con football this year with more like they've won three games two this year. It's like coaching makes a difference. You know, and I think it, it's I think football is like the once, you know, I think it's the top of the of the like the four major sports where coaching matters, you know, the most. And I, I think you're really seeing that this year with the Giants. And yeah, Dable's done a great job right away here for a team. You know, where the division's been pretty good. I know you haven't faced the Eagles yet. I know you, you know, lost tough one to the Cowboys on a Monday night football. But, you know, the division's been a lot better than a lot of people thought it would be. I know a lot of division games coming up, you know, later in the year. But, yeah, the Giants have been playing a lot of confidence right now. You know, again, they, you know, they're and that defense, too, looks like it was a couple years ago, you know, with uh, first year under Patrick Graham. Like, that that defense right now is playing with a lot of energy. Uh, yeah, Daniel Jones is, you know, doing enough there and he's playing well and, and Saquon Barkley's just been Saquon Gar- Barkley looks like you know the guy we kind of saw his rookie year and it, it's been great to see because he's again he could be one of you know when he's healthy and he's running like this he's one of the top running backs in the game oh absolutely absolutely oh he definitely is one of the top running backs in the game and, and that's another yeah another big reason why this team is playing as well as they are he's back this year he's back this year had a huge game against the Bears huge game against the Titans and good games against the Panthers uh, the Cowboys, even even the games he was he, he rushed for under 100 yards, the Panther game, the Cowboy game, in the last two games, he's just been such a huge factor for this team. And you can't not give credit to Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has been re- really, really good. He's played like a franchise quarterback. Yeah, he only has five touchdown passes, but look at his receiving core. His receiving core is not good at all. Look, look at the, look at the receiving core; it's not good at all. So yeah, Daniel Jones has not has said no. Daniel Jones has played really well. Saquon Barkley has played real well, and they're right there with Brian Dable. As reasons why biggest reasons why the team is five and one, and the defense, Rick Martindale has done an excellent job as well too. Dexter Lawrence, Xavier McKinney, you saw Kayvon Thibodeau making an impact. So it's it's all good things are happening for this team right now. Yeah, absolutely it is. You know everything's kind of clicking right now. You know even with all the offense kind of troubles right now, uh, or with I mean all the, like the wide receiver injuries. Yeah, it, the defense has kind of been stepping up, doing a lot here. Again, they shut out the Packers in the second half a couple weeks ago, which I, I know the Packers offense is a mess, but. They're still locked down Aaron Rodgers for, you know, th- at least, you know, for the final 30 minutes of that game. It's pretty impressive. So, yeah, the defense is playing, playing well. The offense is doing what it has to do. You know, Dable's such a great play caller, too, and I think he just he's putting guys in the right spots at the right times, and they're they're finding a way. And I think the, the team believes, in, and the team believes right there right now, and I think that, yeah, it's such a huge reason why Dable and, and the rest of that staff has done an amazing job with the team. Absolutely, absolutely. And now the big question is, is are the Giants contenders in the AFC, in the NFC? And they're 5-1. and one. They're two games better than the Packers and the Bucks and the Rams, who a lot of people thought were going to be contenders. And they still are, but they've been playing better than those teams. They're ahead, they're ahead of the Cowboys. I know the Cowboys haven't had Dak Prescott, who's, who's, uh, who's, who are 4-2. and two. So they're pretty much tied with the Vikings for the second-best record. And obviously the Eagles are the be- are, are 6-0. and oh. They're the best team in the NFC. But are the Giants contenders? And I think with three of the wins they've had against the Titans, against the Packers, and, and against the Ravens, I think it's cra- as crazy as it is to say this, I think they are contenders in the NFC. Yeah, I'm with I'm with you right now because um I just because every you know and I think too and I'm not trying to take any credit away from the Giants what they've done because you know Dable's done a impressive job but you look at Green Bay there's a lot of problems there Tampa Bay 
you know, it's kind of a right now struggle going through a lot of things that the Rams have, the Rams look horrible. Um, that was such an ugly game to the Panthers last week. Like there's so many, the Eagles, you know, have looked really good. The Cowboys have looked good, you know, for the most part this year. It, it, so like, I think they do. Cause a lot of these NFC teams just for whatever, you know, are just having a lot of problems right now. And they, and you know, the Niners, which I think a lot of people thought could make a run again, they're really banged up. We'll see what they look like when they get healthy, but I think they are because right now in the NFC, you go by today, it's like, you know, it's so wide open where I, I think, yeah, the Giants could make a run with the way they're playing. Um, you would think, too, that wide receiver core is going to get a little bit healthy by the end of the year. So, yeah, I think Daniel Jones, the way he's been playing, the way that defense is playing, I think the Giants could go on a little bit of run. I think they could battle up there because I just right now, I don't see too many other, you know, teams right at the moment that are really contenders in FC because it's just it, it's teams really haven't been up to standards that we thought they would be. Yeah, you never know. It's early in the season. The Bucks can turn it around. The Packers and Rams, all three of those teams can turn it around. But with the way they're playing, how much confidence do you have in those three teams to turn around? It, 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 I mean, I have a little bit of confidence, but not a ton of confidence that those three, three teams are going to completely. Yeah, they might make the playoffs at like you know ten and seven or nine and eight, but I don't. I don't know if I have total confidence that those three teams are going to turn it around. But if you look at a team like the Giants, the way they're playing and the way things have gone this year, there's something special about this team. This team at the end of games just knows how to make plays at the end of games. I mean, the, the, you look at the, you look at the uh, Tennessee game. I mean, Dabo going for two and putting them in position to win that game. I know there was a missed field goal, but they put themselves in position to win that game. And then the way they close it out against the Panthers with the offense, uh, they, the way they close, they, they close out the game against the Bears, uh, the the, uh, the Packer game, the drive Daniel Jones had. And then last week, down 20 to 10. down. And really the big thing is, is this team was down by double digits in, in the second half, in all three of those games, the win against win against the Titans, the win against the Ravens, and the win against the Packers, and they won those games. To me, that's a sign of a very, very good team, a team that can come from behind and win those games. Yeah, absolutely. Because, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the last couple of years, they probably would have lost the Titans game. They probably would have found a way to lost the Bears game. They, You know, even the Panther game. They probably wouldn't have come back against the Packers or Ravens. Like, I felt like the last couple of years, the Giants really – they, they, they found ways to lose games more than they, they found ways to win it. And, you know, they, they lost a lot of close games. So, yeah, absolutely. The Giants have found ways this year to kind of get over the hump and get and find a way to win the football. And, yeah, the last couple of years, I don't think they've been able to do that with Judge or um, um, with McAdoo or, or with, Shermer. Um, Shermer, yeah. So, I, I think, yeah. So, again, coaching makes a huge difference. And I think Dable has – just again, the right recipe, and I think that team really believes in that coaching staff and what they're taught and what they're saying in that locker room. And I think it, it has an impact impact because you know, winning heals a lot of things. Winning kind of you know, you know, you're winning, everything's going well, and all that. And again, it's it, it it's a huge improvement to see what this Giants team was compared to last year, and just how miserable that team was to watch. And it, it's a fun team to watch, and it's a feisty team. And I know the city been you know great new york football has been great you know the jets can even college you know syracuse has been really good you know as well so yeah new york football a couple years been down and the jets and giants right now there's there's a lot to be positive about absolutely 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 and giants five and one right now and a very very good chance to get a wild card spot but we'll move on to your team has a game on monday night against the bears and i think they win this game i think they win this game easily i think bill belichick is going to give justin fields fits i think there's going to be a he's going to force uh two or three turnovers from him i think bailey zappy is going to do his job manage the game uh, throw a couple touchdown passes. I think stevenson or andre stevenson goes for over 100 yards and i get the pats winning this game and 
I got to win it big. I got to win it 27 to nine over the Bears. But Justin, can Justin Fields in the defense go to, up to Foxborough and pull an upset? I don't think so. I got the pass 23 to six. Um, yeah, I just, again, that that defense, I think, you know, I think could make some plays in that game. You know, can they kind of disrupt Bailey Zappi and, and maybe pick him off or two? I, I could totally see it. I just don't see that offense moving the football much. I know they're going to, even if they go down by two scores, they're going to run the football. They got, I, you know, like the Browns gave up on that last week for whatever reason, very early in that yeah. game. Um, but I think, yeah, I think Fields is going to have a rough day. That defense kind of, what they did last year, they forced turnovers. They made it easy for their offense to put up some points. Um, you know, the special teams was good too. So, yeah, I feel like this defense is going to make a lot of plays this week against Fields. I think he's having a lot of trouble. I could see the Bears having a couple drives, but they can't score in the red zone. So, I feel like, yeah, they may get a couple field goals. I think they could get it down at first and goal, but, you know, they may come away with no points because I think the Patriots defense as well has it pretty good when they've gotten the red zone. They've kind of held their own, it feels like, for most of the years. So, I think, yeah, I think Field probably throws a couple turnovers. I think they sack them a couple times. Judon's been great, um, and I think the Patriots win this thing big. And one thing Bill Belichick was right about was getting rid of J.C. Jackson. That move has made mm. him look really, really good. Jack Jones has taken over and has played really well. I think that move, getting rid of – you saw J.C. Jackson on Monday night. He got benched. I questioned that move. You questioned that move in the offseason. But Bill, again, with another free agent, has proven to be right. <laughs> I got to stop doubting. <laughs> but when it comes to these decisions, you know, the only one he's been really wrong about was Brady. About let him go. Brady and, and and drafting drafting offensive yeah, drafting. personnel. Yeah, that, that's where he's yeah. wrong. Brady definitely was wrong about Brady, and he definitely has been wrong about drafting offensive personnel, especially in the years the, the last couple of years Brady was there, passing on Nick Chubb to take Sony Michelle, passing on you know, DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, and Debo Samuel to get a but to, to get a Nikhil uh, Harry. But yeah, when it comes to certain players, he's he always seems to know when to cut ties. I mean, I, I mean, uh, J.C. Oh, Jackson, lawyer, lawyer Malloy, uh, Ch Ch Chandler Jones, uh, uh, Jamie Malcolm Collins, Malloy. all these guys. Richard Seymour, he knows when to cut ties, and he definitely was right about J.C. Jackson. I got him credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. I was right there with you. I was like, what's this going to do with our secondary? Because then we lost Gilmore to Yelp last year, and um, now Gilmore really hasn't been the same either. Since then, so yeah, he, he figures it way, you know, he knows. And yeah, Jack Jones has played really well. It's a young secondary that I think is just very feisty. And I think, you know, plays his style, I, I feel like too. So yeah, Bill, Bill, Bill has his ways. And yeah, I, I got to stop doubting him because uh, he, he's done a remarkable job. Yeah, Jack Jones has played really well. Even the return game, you know, he's been really good as well. So yeah, for whatever reason, Bill, Bill knows one too. And yeah, JC Jackson hasn't looked good this year. And, uh, it was definitely a smart move not to give him that uh what four years, fifty one million he got from LA. You know, he's uh that de definitely looking good for that one. Yes, yes. But but as we were talking about Bill, he could have a decision on his hands. And if the Pats keep winning, should there be a quarterback controversy in New England? Now, right now, I don't think so. I still think Mac Jones is the guy. Bailey Zappi has played well, but he played well against two bad defenses. And even if even if he wins this game this week, I'm gonna say the same thing. There shouldn't be. But say they beat the Jets on the road. Say they beat the Colts, and Mac Jones is ready to go on November twentieth against the Jets. Say they're six and three. Do you stick with Zappy, or do you, or do you go with Mac Jones? I think I go back to Mac Jones. I, I don't think you can give up on him because besides the turn, I think it gives a very short lease to Mac Jones. Like if he comes back and he throws a couple of just you know 
that interception he did against the Ravens. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And I think if he does that, then I think you go with Zappy. I think the, the leash becomes short. But yeah, I think, you know, again, I gave him a lot of credit for Zappy coming in that Green Bay game and he wasn't phased. He came in, he, he, you know, knew what to do. He played pretty well in that game. He gave him a chance to win it. The coach staff didn't really give him that chance to go out there and win it in OT. But he, he put that team in a, in a position to kind of go out there and, and have a chance against Aaron Rodgers and that Packers team. So I've, I've watched a lot of Zappy football. I watched him at Houston Baptist. I watched him at Western Kentucky. I Again, I, I've really liked Bailey Zappy the last couple of years. But I don't think you go move, you know, you know, take him, you know, sit Mac Jones right away. Again, I know people are, you know, again, I look. I, and I don't know if the two people in Boston are like, okay, the third string quarterback thing because of Brady. Like. Again, I don't, you know, Bailey Zappi's not going to become Tom Brady. Like, that's not, that's not reality. So, I think you got to get Mac Jones, continue to give him the job. Again, same thing with Dalv. Make sure he's 100% healthy. Don't rush it with him. You know, when he's completely healthy, bring him back in because Zappi hasn't given you a chance to, hasn't been the reason you've lost the game yet. So, I, I think you got to stick with Mac Jones. I think it's too early to quit on him this, this early. I do agree. If Mac Jones is healthy, but don't rush him back. Because yep. Zappy's done a pretty good job. If but when Mac Jones is healthy, and if he is, and I think he's going to be healthy on November twentieth when they play the Jets, I think you play Mac Jones even if you're six and three, even if you're six and three. Because yeah, you could bring up the Brady Bledsoe thing, but here's the difference: when Bledsoe got, when when they decided to go to Brady, Bledsoe was in his ninth year. The team went five and eleven the previous season. And he didn't have that really that good of a season. He was a little he was on the decline. I know the organization had a big investment in him, but he was a little bit he was on the decline when they when they went to Tom Brady and. You can't, you can't count on someone to be the next Tom Brady. So, and I don't think Bailey Zappi is going to be that guy. There's a reason Zappi was taken in the sixth or seventh round. So, I, I, I personally, I agree with you. If the Pats keep winning, I still go with Mac Jones. There's a reason Mac. You, you invested a first round pick on him. I think you stick with him. I think you, I know. I think you go. I think you go with him, even if Zappi wins the next three games. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. I think you know. I think you have to. I think, you know, if you cut ties with him too early, and, again, it's going to be problematic because, you know, again, you know, he did lead you to a, a playoff appearance last year. I know you got absolutely beaten down in that game, but he still got you to the playoffs last year. He still made a Pro Bowl. Again, that rookie class, he's been the best quarterback, you know, right now. Or, you know, well, him and Lawrence has been right – um, or no, well, yeah, so far Mac Jones, it's, it's been out of that class. He's played pretty well. So, I, I don't think – um don't think he tucked ties with him this quickly. He hasn't, you know, besides that ratings game, he really hasn't given you any reason why he shouldn't get that job. So I feel like, you know, yeah, until he really, you know, I, I believe it's a short lease. If Zappy can continues to play the way he's playing, I believe it's a short leash when he comes back. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Short leash. But I think, I think you go to Mac Jones, but it's going to be interesting to see what the Patriots do when Mac Jones is ready to play. But we got to get to a quarterback that is probably going to come back this week. And it looks like Dak Prescott's going to be back against the Lions as the Lions travel down to Dallas to play the Cowboys. And I think this is a game where the Cowboys it's, – it's, it's, it's a game where the Cowboys should win. I think the running game is going to have a big day on the ground with Zeke and Pollard. The Lions' run defense is terrible. I think if it's Dak or even if Cooper Rush plays, they're going to throw a couple touchdown passes. I think Goff is going to get some yards on uh, – some yards – uh, I think he's going to have a decent game, but not good enough. I think the Cowboys will force a turnover. And I got the Cowboys winning this one 31-20 to over the Lions. But, Justin, can Jared Goff have a huge game and help the Lions snap their three-game losing streak? Didn't be difficult. I got the Cowboys as well, 27-21. I think, yeah, um, Jared Goff can make a couple plays in this game. 
I think DeAndre Swift's going to be back, so I think that could help their running game as well. I think you know they they've kind of missed him. I know. Um, again, 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 New England, you know, they just they they really couldn't get anything going there. Um, but I think coming off a bye, I think they play well. You know, can they protect Jared Goff? You know, I know their defense or offensive line's pretty good, but I think you know Mika Parsons is still probably going to make a play or two and force Jared Goff to throw an interception or two. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know. Dallas's uh, run defense is middle of the pack, so I think the Lions do make get some you know, yards on the ground. I just don't think it's enough with how bad their defense is, where they're not going to keep up. Um, so I do have Dallas win this game, twenty-seven twenty-one. We got the Thursday night game as the as DeAndre Hopkins should be back for it's going to be back for the Cardinals as they face as they face off with the Saints. I don't know who's the starter is going to be for the Saints, Dalton or uh, Winston or Winston, but I think it's going to be another really really competitive game between these between the two teams. But I do think it's another game where the Saints lose at the end. I think it's close and competitive. I think you know both defenses force a turnover each way. I think Murray turns the ball over, and I think uh, Dalton or Winston turns the ball over. But I do think Murray has a and Hopkins have a pretty good. I think Hopkins has a pretty good game in his return. I think it's close and competitive down to the end, but I think the ball's in Murray's hands where he's a game-winning drive, and that's why I got the Cardinals beating the Saints 23-20. to But Justin can Alvin Kamara help the Saints snap their two-game their two losing streak? I think they do. I get the Saints 24-17. Um, that was an absolutely embarrassing performance by the Cardinals, and it's the beginning of the end for Cliff Kingberry as he's given up his offensive play calling. So, uh, so I think it's the beginning of the end for him. Um I think Kamara does enough on the ground. I think Hill or, you know, I think Hill too, you know, when they throw him in at that wildcat position, I think he makes enough plays. Um, you know, and I think Arizona too, again, there's just, they go for it way too many times a fourth down. I think the Saints make a couple of big fourth down stops. I think it helps out their defense. Um, I think the Saints will get pressure on them. I think, you know, Kamara can, you know, does enough on the ground game, you know, even in the screen game. And I think the Saints win this game 24 to 17. I think the Saints are the better coach team. And I think Cliff Kingbear and that team finds a way to lose because Cliff, uh, Cliff's not a good game manager. So now that that's out of his, the office play calling is out of his hands, I, I don't know what good he is having just standing there on the sidelines. Yeah, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, I didn't like the hire to, 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 to start out. I was not a huge fan of it. Yeah, I mean, he won games because he was able to get Kyler Murray. And that was the one thing he did right was he wanted Kyler Murray to be his quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's why he's kept his job. But last week's performance was absolutely putrid. Nine points against the Seattle defense. That's one of the worst. I know it's a division game. I get it. But nine points against one of the worst defenses in football. So that was an absolutely pathetic performance. But after that pathetic performance, the Cardinals did make a move and traded for Robbie Anderson. And the big question is, is and I think it makes sense because uh, Hollywood Brown's going to be out for a while. But the, but the big question is, is this going to help the Cardinals offense, Robbie Anderson? I think it does a little bit. But still, I still think they're clearly the third best team in that division. Yeah, I think it helps a, a bit to get on the wide receiver in there because you're going to miss Marquise Brown. But I think... Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think you're going to get that chemistry back because Brown and Murray play together at Oklahoma and you lose that chemistry, which I think is going to be huge. You know, Robbie Anderson, again, they haven't had a quarterback there, you know, for a couple of years. So I know the production hasn't, especially this year, hasn't been great. But yeah, I still think they're the third best team in that division right now. Makes a little bit of a difference, but um, I think Brown's going to, is a huge loss to that Cardinals team. And Anderson's not, I know again, Hopton, Hopkins back is a huge replacement. For that, but you know Anderson, um, the little bit of upgrade, not 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 much for that um, team right now. 
Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a, yeah. I do think it's an upgrade because Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown is out. And I think it'll do a little bit better because they only be a little bit more invested playing with Kyler Murray. But I don't think it's a, a, a difference maker. I don't think it's a huge difference maker getting Robbie Anderson. But we'll talk about Robbie Anderson's old team as the Bucks, who've been struggling, travel down, travel to Carolina to face the Panthers. And and I think this is a perfect matchup for the Bucks to get right. I think this is a get, even though it's a division game, I think it's a get right game. I think it's a game where Brady could throw a couple touchdown passes, and I do think they force some turnovers from PJ Walker. And I got I got the Bucks winning this by three scores. I got the Bucks winning this game twenty seven to ten. But Justin, can the Panthers snap their four game losing streak against their division rival? I don't think so. I got the Bucks twenty one to seven. I just again I really the only got offensively right now is. Christian McCaffrey, and I just think Tampa Bay is going to key on him all day. I think, you know, he's going to have trouble trying to carry this team offensively because there's not much right now. Um, I think they're going to struggle. Again, their defense is going to have to jumpstart their offense. You know, again, that's possible. I know Tampa hasn't been great offensively, so maybe that defense could force some things. You know, I know they had the pick six last week against Stafford, um, but I I just it'd be too difficult. Um, I did like Wilkes putting his foot down, though, against Anderson. Like, I I think that's a good sign to kind of Tell his team, like, look, you're kind of going to quit. You're going to get mad at this coaching staff. You know, you're you're not going to be here. Um, I, I like that way of doing things, but they're just – I don't see this offense doing much at all this week. Yeah, I think I like that Wilkes is holding accountability, but the problem is he doesn't have the quarterback and he doesn't have the roster to turn this around. And he, and they're probably going to be looking for a new coach and they'll be drafted. They're probably going to get the number. They're probably going to get a top three pick. The Panthers are one of the worst teams in football. And I know the Bucs have struggled. Brady has really – Brady in this offense has struggled this year. They, they really have. But I think this is a perfect game to get back on track and start to make a run for this Bucks team. Yeah, I think it is too. You're right around the halfway midpoint. That's usually where Brady starts to turn it on. I know the wide receivers are starting to come back slowly but surely. I know the offensive line isn't, you know, isn't particularly healthy either at the moment. But yeah, I, I think this is just what the doctor ordered for the for the Bucks. I think they do play really well today. You you know, Brady, you know, you saw Brady was not happy with with the uh, offensive line there on Sunday. So I, I think yeah, I think the Bucks come out there and I think they do try to put a beat down on um, Carolina this week and try to. Try to kind of, you know, settle people down there in Tampa Bay because that was a horrible performance to get the Steelers on uh, Sunday. Absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. I, th- yeah, they def- they need, definitely need to pick it up if they're going to get if they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. They need they definitely need to pick things up, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But we're going to go to another team with a legendary quarterback that's struggling, and that's the Packers, and they travel up to DC to face the Commanders this weekend. And I think this is a close, competitive game, but. I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers. I think he's going to struggle through it. I think he's going to struggle through it, but I think they'll get enough in the run game. I think he'll make enough plays and more plays than Taylor Heineke, and that's why I think the Packers win 23-16. to 16. But, Justin, it, could it could the Packers have another rough outing and lose their third in a row? They could. I think they do find a way to win this game 21-17. to 17. You know, Heineke's been, you know, productive at times as a starting quarterback. Again, I, you know, it could happen this week. It, it possibly could. I I do think the Rodgers and that team does a little, you know, does enough to win this game just because of talent in the roster. And I know Washington won Thursday night, but I don't think they had any business. The Bears just totally misconverted a lot towards the end zone or yeah, in the red zone there last week. Um, they had a lot of missed opportunities. So I think Washington got lucky to win that game last week. I think the Packers do enough this week. I, Heineke may make some plays this week, um, but I think that Packers defense does help out their offense there and, they find a go down, they find a way to go down to Washington and win that game. Yeah, I mean, I think they should win this game, but I think there's still a, a lot of concern about this Packers team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They just have no receiver that could really do anything. I mean, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, 
uh, Christian Watson. They just have no receiver that could really do anything. And Aaron Rodgers is frustrated. I mean, I think I think this team right now is, is could very easily be a. I think they're going to make the play. I think they, they have a chance to make the playoffs. But really, outside of a wild card team, I think that's the ceiling right now for this team. I think they all right. They have a chance to win the division because you know the quarterback on the other side doesn't play well in big games. But still, this 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 passing game is a real concern for this team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I think Cobb's a. Yeah, I know Cobb's have missed probably a couple of weeks here, but like I think that's kind of. He seems like he was kind of the veteran guy really helping out these kind of rookie guys. And I know that, you know, Cobb and Rogers have that chemistry, you know, for playing together for, you know, a couple of years, you know, playing together, um, you know, a couple of years back when it, it, it Cobb's first start there or first in Green Bay. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, walking stops again, you know, like he's got the big play, you know, kind of ability there, but yeah, they really haven't, hasn't been able to do much. Yeah. They just, they don't look like they're on the same page. And yeah, Rogers really frustrated. And again, fans were exiting that building there Sunday early in that game, you know, and they never do that. Like, I, I think there's a lot of pressure. I think there's a lot of pressure on LaFleur because this team kind of flats out here and they go nine and eight. I can't imagine LaFleur's jobs on uh, jobs on the line. Um, But yeah, they just, that offense right now, it's just not clicking. They didn't run the ball either last week. Like it just seems like the offense right now, is just, just sputtering out of control. And they just, you know, it, it, again, it just it, it looks really, really, um, you know, looks like it's a big problem right now in Green Bay. Absolutely, absolutely, it, it absolutely is, and uh, we'll see. We'll see if it ends up getting fixed. But we got an AFC North matchup in Baltimore as the three and three Ravens face the two and four Browns, and I do think this game is going to be close and competitive. But I think the difference in this game is is uh, I think Lamar Jackson's going to outplay Jacoby Brissett. And I think that uh, I think that the defense is gonna is, is gonna force more turnover. The Ravens defense is gonna force more turnovers than the Browns defense. The Browns defense had a lot of issues stopping the run. I think, I think the Ravens are able to run the ball. I think Lamar throws a couple touchdown passes. I do think the Browns though. I think they get behind, but I do think the Browns make a little bit of a comeback. We know that Ravens defense in the fourth quarter they are not good. I think they come back a little bit, but th- this time I think the Ravens defense makes makes the play it needs to make, and that's why I think they win this game. I got the Ravens winning thirty one to twenty four, but Justin. Can Nick Chubb help the Browns end this three game and their three game losing streak? It's gonna be difficult, especially if his coach decides to uh, start throwing the ball the first couple plays and just you know pretty much gave up after that. Um, yeah, I you you would know because you watched that ga- you watched that game last week. Oh yeah, the first two plays he came out throwing the football and Brissett throws the interception and just that was a bad pass and it was like they got behind it. You know they didn't really try to really run the football much at you know they did run the ball but it wasn't wasn't as much as I thought they would and that helped the Patriots obviously I got the Ravens win this game 27 to 17 um you know I think Chubb could with that defense but the Ravens have been pretty good at stopping the run um and I just think that watching that Browns team last week I thought that defense quit I, I really do not yeah you're playing a Ravens team I know it's a division game so maybe they get up for it but I think Jackson that team does enough I I, I don't you know I know the Ravens have not been able to hold on to too many games this year, but I think they do this week. Um, I just, I kind of really question that Browns team. And I, I think, you know, especially defensively, I just saw a lot of, I felt like I saw a lot of quit in that team. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Stefanski's job is definitely going to be on the line. If they used to go like six and 11, I think Kevin Stefanski should be fired, but we got to move on to an AFC South matchup in Tennessee as the Colts and Titans I have a rematch of, of a game from week four. And I think this is going to be another close competitive game, but I do think Derrick Henry is the difference. I think Derrick Henry is another big game against the Colts. I think Ryan Tannehill throws a touchdown pass or two. And I do think the Titans defense forces a turnover for Matt Ryan. I think it's close competitive 
I think it's close and competitive, but I'm going to take the Titans to to go, get into first place, to go to four and two, and get into first place in the AFC South. But Justin, can Matt Ryan lead the Colts to their fourth win of the season? I think it'd be things very possible, but I do have Titans win this game, twenty-four to twenty. Um, you know, I, you know, the, the Titans' pass defense is last in the league right now, so I think you know, he can make some plays this week. Um, but could he have any time to really be protected out there? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I think they got sacked three or four times in the first meeting a couple weeks ago. They didn't really, you know, I know John Taylor's still, you know, questionable. I know Hines is questionable too, but they didn't really try to run the football much at all last week. Or, I mean, last night against Tennessee. Um, you know, Taylor's healthy. They didn't, you know, you got to be able to stop that run game because that's kind of where they're best at. And I think that helps out Matt Ryan and the rest of that team because, you know, being one-dimensional, I don't think they have the wide receivers to make big plays. Um, you know, Pierce's look pretty good out there. But um, I, I I think the Titans do find a way to win this game 24-20. Falcons head up to Cincinnati to face the Bengals. I think this game is competitive for a half, but I think the cream is going to rise to the top in the second half. And I think Joe Burrow is going to have another big game, and he's going to throw two or three touchdown passes. I do think Mar- they, the Falcons might do a decent job on the ground. I think Mariota will have some rushing yards, but I do think he'll make some mistakes too. And that's why I got the Bengals winning their fourth game. I got them beating the Falcons 31-19. to But, Justin, can Marcus Mariota lead the Falcons to another upset win? I think they could. I got the Bengals of 24-21. to and, You know, this Falcons team's a bit feisty. They've you know, just they've played a lot of close games this year. Um, you know, Mariota played pretty well last week. I think, you know, they finally got Kyle Pitts a touchdown last week. Like, I think, you know, you can get him going. Drake London's looked pretty good. Like, if they can get that passing game going, they can make some plays out there. Um, you know, Mariota's turned the football over. I think they can keep this thing close. That's It's been Atlanta team that's, that's you know, um, you know, right now playing a lot better than a lot of people thought they would. I think they keep it close, but I don't think they have the offensive production to knock off the Bengals, but I do think that they'll, they'll keep that thing interesting. We got an interesting game in Denver as the 4-2 and two Jets face the 2-4 and four Broncos. Who would have thought that before the season started? The 2-4 and four Jets against the 4-2 and, four and two Jets against the 2-4 and four Broncos, and I think this is a close, low-scoring game, but I'm going to take the team with the better record. I'm going to go with the Jets to go to four and two. I think there's a lot of issues in Denver. I think Russell Wilson is banged up. I think Nathaniel Hackett's an absolutely terrible head coach. I think their offensive line has got problems too. That's why in the second half, this team does not adjust. They scored 13 points in the first half on Monday night, only three points in the second half on Monday night. That's why I got the Jets pulling the upset. Uh, upset. I don't know if we should call it an upset because the Jets are four and two and the Broncos two and four, but I got the Jets, Jets winning this game in Denver 20 to 17, but Justin, can the Broncos D and their home crowd uh, help them end their three-game losing streak? I don't think so. It is down to pick them now. So, it, you know, to, to pick them now, it started at the Jets were a three-point dog going into it. Um, I got the Jets winning this game 20-16. Russell Wilson, as you mentioned, second-half adjustments. Russell Wilson started the game 10 for 10 the other night. He ended 5 for 18. Wow. I, you know. That's, that's crazy. Th- yeah, and I thought they had a couple really good plays in the first half. And then second half, they didn't do much at all. Yeah, I think Rob Sal and that defense right now, the way they're playing. I'll take the defense right now that's playing well. Again, like the Giants that are confident right now. They just went into Green Bay and won by a couple scores. Like, they, you know, they 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 really did, you know. And that Denver team, like again, a team that I think a lot, a lot of people thought would be a playoff team. You know, they're really struggling right now. I, I think Zach Wilson makes enough plays. You know, I think they run the football well enough. I just, I don't trust, I, 
you said it too, Russell Wilson, I don't think he's injured. He's not on the same page with those wide receivers right now. I'll take the Jets as well to go out there and get another win and go to five and two. Yeah, it's really for Russell Wilson. It's either is he is he hurt or is he just not on the same page with people? It's one or the other. I do. I'll err on the side to say he's hurt. I will defend him and say he's hurt, but it it, it also does look like he's not on the same page with any of his receivers. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I do think he's injured, but I also just don't think he's on the same page because it, it's. It's brutal to watch that team because he's missing wide open guys and it's not, he's not even throwing it to him. He's it's just, you know, I don't know what's going on, but yeah, I think it's a little bit of both and it, it's a big problem you, that you got to figure out because you're paying this guy, you know, half a, you know, $500 million. You, you got to figure out for the next couple of years. So you, whatever's going on, they got to figure it out soon. And again, I don't think Hackett's the guy, um, but you know, it, and if he's not, they got to find the right coach that could kind of figure it out with him because, uh, they invested a lot into them, and it's been brutal so far. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. It's It's been absolutely terrible for the Jets. But we have a matchup in Vegas between the Houston Texans and the Las Vegas Raiders, and I think the Raiders should win this game. I think they're going to have success on the ground with uh, Josh Jacobs. I think Derek Carr is going to go th- two or three touchdown passes because their Texans are terrible against the run. And I think that I, I think that Davis Mills is going to is going to have a turnover or two in this game. I think Davis Mills is going to throw an interception or two in this game, and that's why I have the uh, that's that that's why I have the uh, Raiders winning this game. I do think Mills might make some plays, but not enough. That's why I got the Raiders winning it, thirty-one to sixteen. But Justin, can Davis Mills lead the Texans to their second straight win? It's gonna be difficult. I got the Raiders as well, twenty-seven to sixteen. I don't think they're gonna be able to keep up. I think they'll put up some points in this game. Um, again, the Raiders defense is great. The Raiders usually find a way to keep you win it. But yeah, I think you know if they can run the ball with Damian Pierce, who's been really you know you know. When he's gotten some room and some holes open, I, he's running the ball really well, you know. But the Raiders' front line, I think, could kind of slow that down a bit there. But if they can run the ball, kind of again shorten this game up a little bit, I think they have a chance to win this one. But yeah, Raiders coming off the bye, the way they kind of blew it against Kansas City, um, the Raiders have any hope still of trying to get back or trying to get back in the playoff picture. They got to win this game, and I think at home they'll figure it out. Yeah, they, they, this is definitely a game the Raiders should win. Got the Seahawks traveling to LA to face the Chargers. And I think this is a fun game at the beginning. I think it's a, it's a high scoring game. But in the second half, I think Khalil Mack and the and and the Chargers pass rush will take over. I think Justin Herbert will again throw at least three touchdown passes. And I got the Chargers going to five and two and winning this game, thirty four to twenty four. But Justin, can Geno Smith keep up with Justin Herbert and help the Seahawks get their fourth win? I think they could. I got the Chargers 31-23. Again, we have another bonehead coach in Staley that could really keep the Seahawks in this game. He absolutely could. But I just think the Chargers just have more off talent than the, than the um, Cardinals do right now, and I think that will be the difference. But, yeah, Geno Smith, I could think could make some plays. The Lockett, Metcalf, um, you know, run the ball. I think Walker could have some some success with the way the Chargers stop the run. But, yeah, I just don't think it's going to be enough. I think – the, the Seahawks are going to have a tough time keeping up with it all um, with, with that, with that prolific offense. But yeah, I think early on this is close, but in the end, I think the Chargers do find a way to, um, you know, comfortably win this game. We got the Sunday night game between the Steelers and the Dolphins. The Steelers getting a big win last week. The Dolphins have lost three in a row. And I think the losing streak continues. I think the Steelers find a way to win this game. I think who, depending on who starts, it looks like it's going to be Mitch Trubisky. I think he'll manage the game. I do think the, the Steelers are forced to turn over from Kenny Pickett. I think they win a close, ugly game. I think the Steelers win a really close, ugly game. That's why I got them, I got them going to, th- to three and four and winning this one uh, 21-17. But Justin, can the Dolphins can can the Dolphins 
get back on track in with Tua's return? I think they do. You know, I like the way the Steelers played last week, but I do have the Dolphins win this one, 21 to 14. Um, I am worried about Tua coming back. You know, I, I don't – that doctor that, you know, kind of was the one that put concussion together, that movie, kind of said, like, he guess tried to tell Tua, like, I, I would retire because your long-term brain health or trauma. But, again, it's his body. He's like, he wants to come back and play. Great. I just I just worry about him. Um, but I think they, the Dolphins, they want to win this game. They got to be able to run the football. They can't drop back and throw the ball 50 times. Um, they, they have to be able to establish a run game. If they do, I think they win this game. I think they do enough on the ground game. I think Tua protects the football a little bit better than Mitch Trubisky does. And I think they do figure out a way to pull it out against Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, it's just a game. The Dolphins always want to be a playoff team. This is a game that they got to win. But the NBA season opened up last night. But before we talk about that, we're going to hear from our friends at Shamrock Home Inspections. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person doing all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. All righty, the NBA season opened up opened up last night. The Warriors beat the Lakers one twenty three to one oh nine, and Steph Curry with thirty three. It looked like this Warriors team didn't miss a beat. Steph Curry with thirty three, Clay with eighteen, Wiggins with twenty two. It really looked like this Warriors team didn't miss a beat, uh, and uh, they look like they're going to be the best team in the Western Conference. But the big question is: is are they going to be able to come back from what happened between Draymond Green and Jordan Poole? They absolutely are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think last night they were fine. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think that team just has way too much talent. Again, see, Curry's a good coach. You know, again, I think they figured a way around that. Um, yeah, and as long as Curry and Thompson are healthy, that team's going to roll. They're going to be right there up top of the Western Conference. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I think they got over they, – they, they, um, they're, they're getting over that, and I don't think it's going to be a long-term issue at all. No, no, no. And the big question is, is are the Warriors the best team in the league again? I think they're the best team in the West. I don't think they're the best team in the league. For me, the best team in the league is the Bucs. But I do think I would not be surprised if the Warriors repeat with Steph Curry back, with Klay Thompson, with Jordan Poole. They just signed Jordan Poole to a four-year extension. I think that the Warriors are clearly the best team in the league. Yeah, with that roster, yeah, absolutely. With um, you know, with Jordan Poole coming off the bench as well, you know, you got James Wiseman healthy again. That's going to be able to do, you know, um, as a big guy. He got eight seven last night coming off the bench. Uh, you know, Moose's, Mo, uh, Moose's Moody, I think, could be a really good score too as well coming off the bench this year. And, yeah, with the production of Wiggins last year and just his development with Thompson and Curry, yeah, absolutely. I just think there's, there's a lot of weapons on that Warriors team that you're going to have to figure out. And um, I think they're going to be tough to stop it again. You know, and as I said it too, it's, you know, you know, moment ago as long as it seems they healthy stays healthy yeah they, they should be able to win the west uh, yeah I, I i definitely think they can if they stay healthy i definitely think they're going to win the western conference but moving on to the team they played last night in the lakers 
the big question is, is are they a playoff team? Are the Lakers a playoff team? That, that, that's, that's the big question for them. Oh, I know. I have them as 11. Yeah, I have, I have, I have them as the number nine. I have them as the uh, ninth best team in the West right now. I think they make the play. In. I don't have them as a playoff team because you can't rely on AD to stay healthy. And uh, LeBron James, he's still good, but not as good as he once was. And Russell Westbrook is an absolute disaster, and the Lakers need to trade him. That, that started the downfall with the Lakers, that Russell Westbrook trade. That was a terrible trade. They had to give up Montrose Harrell. They had to give up Kyle Kuzma. They had to give, they had to give up Catavius Caldwell-Pope. That started the downfall with the Lakers because Westbrook has been absolutely terrible as a Laker. Yeah, he's not been good. And I think when Dennis Schroeder comes back, he's going to come off the bench. And I think that's going to create more problems there. And I, LeBron said it last night. Or he said this team's not built to shoot the three ball. And how are you going to win when you can't shoot the three ball in this game? How did Rob Polinka get an extension too? How the – I don't understand that move either. Um, I think I have him as 11. I think he missed the play, and I don't trust any Davis to play, you know, play 82 games. I think LeBron probably plays, what, 50 to 55? He's going to get banged up. He's probably going to sit out a couple of nights. Who on this team is going to pick up the scoring? You know, I just – I don't know who who will win if those guys are out. You can't trust on Westbrook. Um, their bench is a little bit better. I know Nunn's a decent shooter, but I don't – I don't trust his Lakers team again. I, and I haven't seen too much of him yet as a head coach to kind of, is he good enough to kind of give this Laker team a couple extra wins when LeBron and AD are out? I don't know yet. I think they're 11. I think the trailblazers get in. I even think my Kings are be- better than, than the Lakers are right now. So I, I get the Lakers missing out. I don't think it's a good team. I think, you know, I, I just, when they're not, I just can't trust the team. I don't think they can shoot again. I don't think they're good enough defensively again. Yeah, I don't think they're good defensively. I don't think they're good enough from three. And, and, and you look at the Western Conference, obviously, I mean, you look at the top teams, the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Clippers now with Kawhi back, they're clearly better. The Mavs are clearly better with Luka. The Suns are clearly better. The Grizzlies are clearly better. And, and then, then you look at the, t- the T-Wolves, they're clearly better. And then really the only team you might make an argument for is the Pelicans, but I think the Pelicans are better with, with Ingram, Zion back. Uh, and with C.J. McCollum, and then you have Val- Valanciunas is not that bad of a center. So uh, right uh, right now, I, I think I'd have the Lakers as I, I right now I got the Lakers the ninth seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, and I, I could see them making the plan. I just I don't I have them as love. I just don't think this again. I know they brought in Patrick Beverly um, as well, who's a good defender, but he's not going to score much. But yeah, I think right now in the Western Conference, yeah, all those teams I mentioned uh, are definitely right now better than the Lakers, and it's not a very strong. Western after you get by like the Clippers, you know, Phoenix, like it, it is, it's not as good as the Eastern conferences. So, you know, especially when you get towards the bottom where Portland and Sacramento, you know, and you know, and then OKC and Houston, they're just tanking right now in Spurs. Um, but yeah, like I, I think as Lakers, I obviously would not be trying to see this Lakers team make the play. And if a lot of these guys, if AD and LeBron could stay healthy, I think they, they definitely could make the play and maybe, you know, and be later, even maybe get the eight seed as I think that's the highest they could go if seeding wise. Um, but I just, I don't think they'll be able to do it. I just don't think that roster's as strong as you mentioned earlier too, the bench reduction. None's good, but I, who else are you really going to get off that bench to really produce night in, night out? Absolutely. Absolutely. Really, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Not much of a bench and really not much outside AD and LeBron. And don't tell me Westbrook because Westbrook has been awful for the Lakers. And he's a turnover machine, you know, that, that he, what, airballed that 10-foot shot last night? Like, it, it's bad. He's just not, I, you know, I agree. I just don't, I, I agree that they should probably trade him, but I just don't know who would 
want him right now because that contract is is ridiculous. And, and if they do, the Lakers are going to have to eat most of that salary, I would believe. Yeah, absolutely. They definitely have to eat most of that salary. So we'll move on to the other game last night, and the Celtics beat the Sixers uh, 126 to 117. Tatum and Brown with 35. The big question is, are the Celtics the best team in the East? I think they're close to it. I really do think they're close to it. I really like Tatum and Brown are two top players. Uh, you've got Brogdon coming off the bench. you got Marcus Smart, the defensive player of the year. I think the difference, though, is going to be them not having Eme. Between them and the Bucs, I think the difference is Eme. Now, they could be the best team because coaching is the – this is the one sport where coaching doesn't matter as much as, as football or even a manager in baseball. So they could make a run. They could definitely win the East again and win the championship, but I still think the Bucs are a better team. But the Celtics are a very, very close second. They proved it last night with how good uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's two of the best dudes right now. That's like one of the best dudes in the sport right now. Yeah, you mentioned Brogdon coming off the bench. Um, Because that was their problem too last year. They didn't have somebody consistently come off the bench. You know, when a couple of the guys go out to be able to score the basketball, and Brogdon's going to be somebody to be able to do that. And Blake Griffin, I think, is a nice piece. He's still solid on the glass. Again, I know he's nothing like he was, but I I think off the glass, kind of, you know, for Robert Williams, he's going to miss some time here. Um, you know, hopefully he'll be back. I worry about that knee too, Williams, because he's been good when he's healthy. It's just how many games do you get out of that knee from him? Um, but yeah, Tatum and Brown looked really good last night. Smart's a solid defender. Um, and yeah, I think missing uh, Ime Udoki, Udoko could definitely hurt this team, maybe down the road. Um, but yeah, I think they're right there with the Bucks. And again, they kind of got Philly's number again last night. So yeah, that Celtics team is, um, Again, that definitely has a really good chance to go back to and represent the Eastern Conference yet again. Very good chance. I just think the Bucs are a little bit better. And, and, I, and, I, and I keep always saying this, if the Bucs had Chris Middleton, I still think they win that series. Yeah, I, they, they totally could. That adds another shooter. I think, you know, I think with that Bucs team too this year, bringing back Joe – or trading for Joe Ingles, um, I know he's not going to come back probably until around New Year's. But, yeah, I think, you know, you got some more shooting around Giannis, so – um, which is going to help as well. So I think the Bucks got even a little bit better, especially when Ingles goes back, comes back. But um, yeah, with Giannis, just such a freaking tough to stop. I think it's to be even harder the way that, that Bucks team can shoot the basketball now. So yeah, I think the Bucks are right there. I think the Bucks Celtics are right there. Um, I think Philly could be there as well because James Harden looked really good. I again, I do have to give James credit. James Harden credit. He did look a lot better last night. He looked like he got into shape this offseason. So. I James Harden did look like a little kind of back to his days when he was in Houston. Now talking about the Sixers with the way James Harden played last night, played last night, are they contenders in the East? And I'm still going to say no. And this is the reason why there's too much isolation ball. They're not playing as a team. And I think it's on doc rivers. I think doc rivers should have been fired after last year. James Harden did his job. He got back in shape. I think he's, he's back to being, he could potentially be back to being one of the top players in the league. I think this is on doc rivers. Way too much isolation ball with Embiid and Harden. Right now, I got them as the fifth-best team in the Eastern Conference. I don't think they're contenders because of the head coach. I think they got the talent to be contenders. They're definitely a more talented team than Miami, but because of the head coach right now, that's why I don't have them as contenders in the East. But James Harden did play really well, but I think the head coach is the reason is, is, is the one that's holding this team back. Yeah, I'm with you. I got third. I got them at third, and yeah, when I was doing my – playoffs stuff. I, I yeah I just don't know Doc Rivers the last couple years in the playoffs just hasn't been able to get it done um and I think that's gonna cost them because yeah Harden look good again that's it's a problem you know they just yeah, they're just too much 
ISO ball and it just, yeah, the teams that's there. Yeah. And I think you gotta get guys involved. I know Maxie's a really good scorer. You got him beat as well. You know, Tucker's a good defender. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of been the problem the last couple of years with the, with the Celtics. They just, I mean, the, with the Sixers. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, that's kind of been the big issue there the last couple of years. There's been some mistakes too late in series that have cost the Sixers as well. And I, and even when he was back with the Clippers as well. So I, yeah, I, I do think he's, part of the problem right now Harden looked good and we know Harden too in the postseason kind of big games he struggled at times as well so I, I think that Sixers team's like the third best team I just I don't totally trust the Nets to stay healthy all year and I don't like Steve Nash either um but yeah I, I think this I think the Sixers definitely do have the talent but I'm with you I just don't think they're gonna get there I think they're gonna hold themselves back and now talking about the Nets, because this is an interesting team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Beck. We thought, you know, in the offseason that neither of them be on the team. Now they're both on the team. Where do you have the Nets in the Eastern Conference? For me, I say third behind the Celtics and the Bucks because of the talent and the guys they have returning. Ben Simmons, yes, he's not a good offensive player, but he's a very good defensive player. Joe Harris, he's not a great player, but he's a really good three-point shooter. They didn't have both those guys in that playoff series against the Celtics. So I I think am I I think that because of their talent, I have I think their talent is as good as the Bucs and the Celtics, but I do think it's still a little awkward having KD and Kyrie back. That's why I have them as the third best team in the Eastern Conference going into the season. Yeah, I'm with you. I have them fourth right now, right behind the six. I just don't know. Yeah, with the Kyrie and Durant so, stuff and that. So, so, so you're not a Heat guy? No, I have them six right now. Oh, wow. I got them fourth. I just like their culture. I do too. I, I, I do too. I think, you know, maybe Mitchell coming in now. I think the Cavs. We'll maybe get that fifth, but um, I I think right now with the um with the net, I think yeah. And then how many games do you get out of Kyrie? Like how is it, how how much Kyrie into the season right now? I don't know. Like now, if he really wants to get traded, I would assume he plays as much as he can. But I you you just never know what goes on in that guy's head. So I can't trust it. Again, I think you get a big effort this year from KD, but um, I, I think this team could definitely win the Eastern Conference. I just don't know. Can Durant stay healthy all year? Can Kyrie Irving, you know, Joe Harris is a good player, as you mentioned. He's a really good three-point shooter. Um, you know, I think Cam Thomas in year number two, I think, again, I think that guy could score the basketball, and I think he could have a nice impact if it all comes together off the bench. But, yeah, I just it, – it's like, can I trust the coach? Can I trust the big guys to stay healthy, you know, and stay on the floor all year? I, I don't really know right now. So, yeah, that's why I have him fourth. Yeah, I got, I got them third. I got them third because of their talent, and and yeah, it, it could be weird between with KD and Kyrie, with KD and Kyrie back. But the NBA is a sport; it's a talent dominated sport. You got the talent that they would have no chance of doing anything this year without them. So I still think they are a contender, but I'm not picking them over the Bucks and Nets, but Bucks and Celtics because of the chemistry. Yeah, uh, I'm absolutely with you there. I think it'd be tough, but yeah, I'm. But I would not be shocked to see this team get to the finals with all that talent. But yeah, it's something. Could it all come together? Can it all gel? And again, KD and Kyrie really haven't. The last couple of years, they haven't played a ton of basketball together on the floor. It feels like either. And then Ben Simmons as well. Like you know, I know he doesn't have to do a ton offensively, but again, I think late in a playoff game, you know, if, you, if he's not, you know, you could do an offensive defense switch with him, but offensively, late in a game, I just hack a shack him. He gets the ball. I, I make him go to the line and make him beat me. So I, I think it's something too where that that could. Maybe cost them as well, but um, yeah, I, I think they have all the talent in the world. It's just can it all come together? 
So now we're going to give our sleepers in each conference which team we which sleeper team do we think can compete for a championship in each conference, and which sleeper team do we think that can compete for a playoff spot? And we'll start in the Eastern Conference. Uh, which team which team can be a sleeper to be a championship contender? And my sleeper in the East is the Cleveland Cavaliers with Donovan Mitchell, with Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen as as bigs with Darius Garland. So Mitchell and Garland in that backcourt. I think that's why my my team to be the sleeper in the East is the Cavs. Yeah, I'm with you there. I have them fifth right now, Cleveland. Um, I think, yeah, I think with Mitchell coming in, you know, I think it's a huge, uh, huge piece. And I think with how young that roster is, you know, with Garland, who's played pretty well, um, Chris Levert, Mobley had a pretty good rookie year. So I think there's a lot of talent. I like Jaron Allen, too, as a center. Um, I, I do like that Cavs team. And I think there's some young, really good pieces there. And I, I think that team could totally um, – Make a run, um, make a run at a at a um, Eastern Conference, or yeah, I think they can make a run to be a uh, make it to the NBA Finals. For the team sleeper team, I think is going to be a playoff team. I'm going to go with the Detroit Pistons. I, I like I got Kate Cunningham in year two. You got Bogdanovich, who they got from the Jazz, and Jaden Ivey they drafted too. I think this team could potentially. I it's still a long shot, but I think they potentially could sneak into the playoffs. They could get through the playoff tournament and sneak and sneak into the playoffs. Kate Cunningham has superstar potential. You got Bagdanovich, just a good player, and you got Jaden Ivey. That, that's why the Pistons are my sleeper team to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. I get the Bulls going back. I think, you know, I got them at the nine right now, uh, the nine seed. I think that's a team that, you know, I know they fell off at the end of last year, but I, I know Lonzo could miss some time. I know um, Zach Levine could miss like a week or so or miss a couple games early on here but i think that's a team i like billy donovan um i think at point guard right now without ball i think i like i i like you know um alex caruso as well to kind of fill in DeRozan as well is pretty good player so i think if the bulls can make enough stops offensively i think they could you know win in the play on turn play in tournament and um you know find a way to um advance and advance into the playoffs yeah, yeah, I think they very easily. They got to the playoffs last year, but yeah, they very easily could. I don't think they're a championship contender because I don't think you could be a championship team with DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine as your best player, but they definitely can make the playoffs. In the Western Conference, my sleeper team to make a run is the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think uh, Anthony Edwards could become a stud. I think he could be a stud, top 15 player in the league. And they also got the Andrew Russell. They got Carl Anthony Towns, and they added Rudy Gobert to improve their defense. That's why I think the Timberwolves are my team to be that sleeper to make a run in the West. Yeah, I have them too. Um, right now they're like my five seed right now in the Western Conference. Um, you know, looking for their first postseason wins or postseason series wins and so forth. I yeah, I like what they did with Gobert because again, their interior defense was so bad. And you know, um, you know, it'll be interesting with that kind of with Anthony Townsend Gobert on the floor, kind of playing with the two centers. And you know, can Anthony Edwards make that? You know, make that next leap up there and be an All Star? I think he potentially could be. I like what the Timberwolves team is doing. They're trying to go out there and win it. It's the first time, you know, first time really 10, 15 years that this seems really kind of serious. And I think could totally have a um, be a contender here in the, in the West conference. I like Russell, D'Angelo Russell as well. So I, I I'm with you. I got the Timberwolves being a sneaky team that could uh, advance a couple of rounds in the Western conference. Yes. Yes. And for the team where, who I think could be a sleeper in the West, it's so hard. Because really, outside of the Blazers, and they're the 10th best team in the Western Conference, are you going to pick the Kings? No. Are you going to pick the Thunder? No. 
Are you going to pick the Jazz after getting rid of Mitchell and Gobert? No. Are you going to pick the Spurs after getting rid of Murray? No. So really, it's by default. I'm going to go with the Rockets just because of their young talent. They got Jabari Smith. They got Jalen Green just because of their young talent. I don't think they have. They have this is a long shot. They have to, to get in, even get into the playing tournament. But just because of their young talent, they're my team. They're my sleeper team to get into the playoffs in the West. Mine, I got to go with my Kings. I got to go go with the Kings. I never trust the Sacramento Kings. They've been in the playoffs in 2006, and they have guys who can't shoot threes. I don't either. Keegan Murray, I think, is going to have a big part in that. I I know he's going to miss tonight, which stinks. I was looking forward. That's like the one thing I was looking forward to um, this year. I think Davion Mitchell improved the shooting over in the offseason. I think bringing over Leak Monk and Kevin um, Porter from um, Atlanta – I think he comes on and um, he helps out kind of shooting the basketball this year. Cause, you know, yeah, they, they really showed that that last year, um, you know, because Herder during the regular season shot 30% from deep. I think Keegan Murray comes in. I think he's in, I've, you know, I think he'd be one of our best players. He looked really good in preseason at summer league. I think Fox, I don't trust Mike Brown. I know you know that I, I'm not a big Mike Brown fan, but I think this is the first time in a lot while that we've had talent. And listening to some podcasts who King Basketball in the city, it sounds like this is the first time that city's been excited for King Basketball in the last like 15 years. So Ex- I excited for what? DeAndre De'Aaron Fox and, and Zabonis and Keegan Murray? Excited for what? That I think we are in contention for to at least make a play in and potentially pass that round. I think there's enough again, when's the last time this Kings has had this much talent? It's been a while. Yeah, it has. It has. You know, I think, and I think too, with the West, the the rest of the West kind of tanking. Do you mention all those other teams? I think we could sneak in there. There's they play the Warriors three times the first two weeks. Like they're gonna get challenged early, but um, I think they find a way to uh, think they can find a way and sneak in there to the playoffs. Yeah, we'll we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. But I I still do not trust. There's one team in the NBA I don't trust. It is definitely the Sacramento Kings. So now we'll move on. I I know they haven't made it to the playoffs in 2006. But now we'll move on to uh, Rookie of the Year and MVP. And my Rookie of the Year is going to be – I'm going to have the Rockets to be the sleeper team to go to the playoffs. I'm going to have Jabari Smith be the end, be my be my Rookie of the Year. And then MVP is going to Giannis Antetokounmpo. So I got Jabari Smith as Rookie of the Year and Giannis as the MVP. Yeah, you know I'm going. I'm going Keegan Murray to win Rookie of the Year. Oh, I, this is so Kings biased. No, because I think if he can okay. get us to the playing round and if he can have a big impact, I think that could sway the voting. You know, because oh, really? I don't – I think it could. I think because I've heard too. He's already you know reading some stuff too. People already think he's the second best player on this team. On this team, I think he has a huge impact. I think he plays well, and I think he's a big part of why we get the playing round. And I, I think that's going to be crucial in voting. I think I think he's I think he could win it. In my MVP, I'm going to go with Jason Tatum. I think with the talent they got around him, adding Brogdon as well, I think they're. One of the top organizations in the league, they they got a great team around them, and I think it's rebounding and assist numbers continue to go up each year. So I'm gonna go with Jason Tatum. I know he's fifth down there, but um, you know, kind of the odds voting. But I think Celtic could get a one or two seed. I think he's got a really good chance because um, you know, he's gotten better with each year. Yeah, I definitely could see Tatum winning an MVP. So now we'll go to our finals prediction, and for me, it's the uh, it's the Bucks and it's the Warriors, and I'm going with the Bucks. In seven games over the Warriors, I think they're two, the two clearly the two best teams. And if they both if they both stay healthy, I think they're going to play in the finals. And I got the Bucks winning it. I'm going to go the Bucks over the Clippers the six games. I'll take Kawhi and PG. I know there's a lot of excitement over that Clippers team to get back to this year. I'll take a shot, but yeah, as I mentioned earlier, the Bucks with 
Joe Ingles, I think, is going to be a huge contributor um, and, and put on less pressure around Giannis. And I think, um, you know, it, it's going to be tougher to stop Giannis with the more shooting they got around him. All right. It should be an interesting M- NBA started last night. should be a very, very, very interesting season uh, in the NBA. But we are going to move on to uh, college football. we got a huge matchup in Clemson this week as undefeated. Who would have thought this? Undefeated Syracuse takes on undefeated Clemson. But I think undefeated Clemson is going to prove why they're the, they're the much better team. I think Syracuse was lucky that Devin Leary was out last week. That's why they won the game. And I got Clemson winning this one 31-13. to But could Syracuse continue their dream season, Justin? It's going to be tough. I got Tigers win this one at home 28 to 17. If they can slow down Sean Tucker in that running game and then Garrett Shooter, because if Tucker can get going, then Shooter on the ground as well could get it going. Um, it's tough to stop. But I think DJ like again, I he's getting a little bit better that you know the deep ball accuracy and stuff isn't there yet, but you see some progress in him. You know, Syracuse defense has played really well, they only give up 13 points a game. But I, I think Clemson is going to be too much. I think there's too much talent. Clemson did get out there last year in the Dolman one, like 17 to 14. I don't think it'll be as low scoring, but I think Clemson does find a way to, to win the game Saturday at home. We got a SEC matchup in Baton Rouge's old miss travels down, travels to old to Baton Rouge to face uh, LSU. I think this is a close competitive game, and I'm going to go with Lane Kiffin's squad to put up 20. I got them put up 27 points. I got them win Lane Kiffin's squad win a close one, 27 23. But Justin, can Brian Kelly? Win a could Brian Kelly knock off an undefeated team at home? I think they could. I, I'm really tempted to take LSU in this game, but I just think LSU's run defense is going to make enough stops. I got Ole Miss win this one 27 24, and Ole Miss hasn't really been tested yet. That's coming. They got Bama coming up in a couple weeks. I think they go to Texas AM next Saturday night. Like their, their tests, is, you know, are coming very soon now. Um, but I just think LSU on the ground, I think, is going to have a hard time shopping the um. Uh, dual threat of Ole Miss running game. Even Jackson Dart has uh, been able to run the football and kind of provide that different element. You know, I think LSU will have success too on the ground. Ole Miss hasn't been great at stopping the run either. They gave a lot of rushing yards last week to Auburn. Um, but I, I, I'll take Jackson Dart in that, in, you know, to make that one big throw that he might have to make over uh, Daniels right now. So I do think the Rebels find a way to pull it out in Baton Rouge. We got a huge matchup the game of the week. In Eugene, as UCL undefeated UCLA faces one loss Oregon, and I think Oregon continues keeps their winning streak going. I think Bo Nix outduels uh, Dor- Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think this is a close competitive game, and I'm going to take Bo Nix and the home team to give UCLA their first loss. But Justin, can Chip Kelly stay undefeated? Yeah, I'm taking uh, Chip to finally beat Ooh. the Ducks. He's 0-3 versus them since uh, taking the UCLA job. I keep picking against Chip the last couple weeks, and it's kind of backfired. So I don't trust. I know Bo Nix usually plays one at home, but I don't trust them. I, I, you know, in a big game, I know UCLA's defense isn't great, but I think, you know, DTR and that and our offense, Oregon's really struggling in the secondary this year. I think he can make some big plays um, up in Eugene. And Zach um, Chabernet is the difference in the UCLA backfield. I think he has a big game. Once again, he's had back to back 100 yard rushing games, only had, almost had 200 yards against Utah. I think UCLA finds a way. I know they haven't played much on the road. I think they've only had one game up in Colorado, but I think they uh, find a way to go up to Eugene and Chip Kelly finally gets a win over uh, his former Ducks team. 
we got an SEC matchup in Tuscaloosa as Will Rogers and Mississippi State face number six Alabama. And I think since the Alabama's going to be in a bad mood, and I think this is a bounce back week. You heard Saban's comments earlier this week that if they keep committing penalties, they're going to be taken out of the game. I think Alabama, that message gets goes through to these Alabama players. And I think that Alabama wins this game. I got Alabama winning it big, 41-17 over Mississippi State. But Justin, can Mike Leach and Will Rogers hand Bama their second straight loss? I don't think so. Um, I got them 30, losing 30 to 20. And you mentioned the penalties and Nick Saban. They're last in the country right now in penalties. They have the most penalties in the entire country, which is unheard of and very wild when I saw that stat um, with Saban. And that secondary is still probably walking back to Tuscaloosa. I don't think Saban wanted those guys on the plane the other night, um, the way they play. But Mississippi State, like their offense is on quick hitters with their air raid. Like, and, and Tennessee really beat them with the deep ball. And I, so I think it's a little bit different this week. And I, I think Alabama makes enough plays. I think Bryce Young plays well well, well enough. And I was very disappointed the way Mississippi State played at Kentucky last week. And I, I think, yeah, I think this is the – after a loss like that, it's it's always a bad time to play Alabama. And I, I think Mississippi State is going to have a rough time down there at Tuscaloosa Saturday night. We got the Golden Gophers heading to Happy Valley on Saturday night to face Penn State. Both teams coming off bad losses last week. Uh, Minnesota to Illinois, Penn State getting crushed by Michigan. I think this is a close competitive game, but I do think Penn State's defense makes some plays in this game. I think Sean Clifford's the quarterback who makes more plays and less mistakes, and that's why I have Penn State. Uh, uh, that's why I have Penn State winning this game, twenty-four to nineteen, which will make the Ohio State game matter next week. As a Penn State fan, that's all you want. Just make the Ohio State game matter. And that's why I got Penn State winning it 24 to 19. But Justin, can the go can the Gophers wi- pull an upset in Happy Valley? I don't think so. I got the Nittany line 24 to 17. Always feels like two, you know, whiteout game, and you know, you're playing Minnesota coming off a bad loss. I think they should be able to get this one done. Tanner Morgan, I believe, still in concussion protocol, so he may not go there. But if you get that Mo, um, Abraham, I think you got a really good chance in this one. I do think Clifford makes enough plays in this one. I think, you know, whatever defense kind of forces a couple turnovers here wins it. And Minnesota really hasn't faced a good offense yet. Like I can go through all the opponents, but it's, it's nothing scary. And I, I think Penn state's probably the best offense they've played so far. So we're really going to find out that Minnesota defense played pretty well this year. But I get the Nittany Lions, and after that, absolutely embarrassment next week. And yeah, they they better be uh, they better come fired up this week, and better not be feeling sorry about themselves because Ohio State will kick them in the teeth next week. They are exactly, exactly, exactly. Now we got Kansas State heading to undefeated TCU. TCU with a great win last week in double overtime over Oklahoma State. Kansas State only has one loss, but I do think TCU wins this game. I think Max Dugan is another big game, and I think TCU contains Deuce Vaughn on the ground. But Justin can Deuce Vaughn. That's why I got TCU winning thirty-one twenty. But Justin can Deuce Vaughn carry the Wildcats to an upset. They could. I do have the Horn Frogs win this one thirty-four to twenty-seven. Um, you know that that option offense there of Martinez and Deuce Vaughn's been really good. Adrian Martinez, the only starting quarterback in the country that's not thrown an INT so far this year. You know Vaughn's really good on the ground. I think he could. You know. TCU's defense, though, is really good. It's better against the run than it is against the pass. And, you know, Kansas State does not really want to throw the ball around. And, you know, Martinez has been shown he's been able to do it this year, but they want to be able to establish that run game, that option game with him and Deuce Vaughn. Um, it, it's going to be very difficult. But, yeah, I believe in Max Dugan and that team's 
and that TCU team is going to find enough plays. I think Quentin Johnson has another big day, and he's going to be tough to, sh- to uh, stop for Kansas State Saturday night. Should be interesting with what happens in fourth worth. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RJ For Justin Afrio. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week previewing the World Series, talking week eight of the NFL season and week nine of the college football season. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones had first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. My name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.